Hi there and welcome to the latest edition of the JazzNet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. Uh, I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. Uh, as I keep on telling you every week guys, it's not just the pod that we, that we have here at JazzNet. If you get yourself onto the website you'll find that uh, the, the forums uh, is there. Uh, articles, social media is on there as well, uh, history archive, get yourself on that. As always, I'd ask you to promote the pod as well, you know, put the word out there on social media, let people know that we're here. Uh, I think we're over 6,000 subscribers at the moment, so if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do. Before I bring in my guests, uh, I'll need to mention our uh, partners at Forest Precision Engineering, who are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. Uh, they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers Football Club for many years. Uh, you can, uh, we're delighted they're back in the pod and you can find more about them at www.forestprecisioneng.com. Uh, you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is a stunning hospitality area within the main stand. Uh, for information on how to book this unique and intimate space, email the club at hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, now to bring in my guests. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I've got Ross Bennett and Brian Archer tonight. Ross, I'll come to you first. How are you? Um, well, I'm looking on the camera here. It looks compared to you guys. I'm sitting in this like, really dark, gloomy room, and uh, it matches perfectly. So, um, <laughs> no <laughs> crap result, crap mood, crap season, crap. That is a bit shit. And I, I had a feeling on Friday. Uh, I, I, I logged on to work, and uh, I heard someone that in my work make the comment that Fraser was better than Cheers and, and I said to myself then it's going to be a shite weekend if I'm hearing shite opinions like that then I know it's going to be a shite weekend uh, and it was so yeah pretty shite at my boys football on Friday uh, I went to the Pollock game yesterday it was a bit of a non-event and then obviously that today which unfortunately we have to discuss uh, Brian what about you how's your weekend your room seems a bit more brighter is that reflecting in your mood or, is, or, or are you the same as the rest is no Ross is Summed up perfectly, and I'm just trying to cheer myself up a bit by the room up, but dark and gloomy sums it up about how I'm feeling right now. Aye, it's uh, it, it, it's kind of deja vu, isn't it? It feels like we've seen this horror show before. Yeah, that's indeed. <laughs> okay, right, might as well get on with it. Uh, don't want to, but I suppose that's what we're here for. Let's get in about the bones and uh, give them a good kick in because they deserve one. Uh, Ross, I mean, the performance. I mean, I don't even know where to begin, really. It's, you know, like at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago, yet again, you know, masters of our own downfall. You know, we had enough chances there today uh, to, to win the game. I was having a wee look at the stats. 75% of possession, 20 chances uh, compared to Aberdeen's 11, although they still manage more shots on target, which is maybe telling and something that we'll, we'll discuss. You know, it, it's the first defeat at Pataudry since 2018, I believe. It just feels like with, with with this group, it's the same issues time and time and time again. As, as I said to Brian there, it's the same movie being replayed on loop over and over and over again. Now, you know, we have to give them a certain amount of praise and Beale a certain amount of praise since the turn of the year. We've definitely, you know, went on a bit of a run. Obviously, that came to a halt a couple of weeks ago at Celtic Park. But that today, you know, I mean, to have 75% possession and not score, you know what I mean? To have 20, 20 chances, uh, 20 shots, uh, twenty shots, but only like four of them on target, you know, and the way we defended, you know, the, the two goals, which again, we'll come on and, and talk about. It, it, it just it is deja vu time and time again. It's the same shite over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
Uh, I don't really know where to start. I'll actually try and put some a small amount of positivity out into the Rangers universe at the moment. I thought, by and large, in that first half, there were periods of time where we actually looked quite good, and I thought we actually played quite well in certain phases. That's as positive as I'm going to get, uh, because there is no point looking quite good for certain phases of a game if you aren't going to score. Now, the stats that you've rattled off there, 75% possession, 20-odd shots on goal, um, I think that the, uh, the commentator said it was our first league defeat at Petodri since 2016, since a James Madison free kick. Like it's it, it's ridiculous how uh, successful we've been against Aberdeen, actually. Um, but yeah, those those stats that you rattled off there, um, it, 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 it just renders absolutely redundant any nice passages of play, any good build-up, any controlled passing, anything like that becomes completely obsolete if you cannot put the ball in the back of the net. Um, and yes, we have seen this movie before. Uh, yes, we have spoken about this a lot. Today was almost, um, you know, summed up our, our entire season that we just seem to be incapable of putting the ball in the back of the net, uh, completely lacking in any sort of clinical nature. Um, got unlucky at times. I think our, uh, so for example, with Morelos having that ball cleared off the line, it would have been a, a wonderful goal. Um, I felt that our decision-making in front of goal was poor at times with people choosing to shoot or, or take on half chances rather than um, th- th- working a better opportunity. Um, but all of this is, is then framed against uh, completely not fit for purpose defence, in my opinion. Now, I've seen a stat after the game today that this season we have conceded 40% of the shots on target that we faced. 40%. That is absolutely disgusting. I mean, that is the statistic of a team facing relegation, not a team fighting for a championship, not a team competing in Europe. So if you are a team that is conceding 40% of shots on target, you have to score. You have to take your chances. Um, and the fact that we couldn't do that today is, is absolutely baffling. And I felt when we came out in the second half um, looking kind of devoid of ideas, it didn't match the first half performance for me didn't really look likely to score in that second half, I felt, as soon as the first goal went in. I thought, I thought that was kind of game over, um, which is really, really disappointing and really depressing. Um, the, the league was done. We knew the league was done. Um, so actually, by and large, not much changes. Um, we can be, and I'm sure we'll go on to, to assess the players and assess the squad ahead of the summer transfer window. Did any of those players do themselves any favours today? I don't think they did. So, um, yeah, difficult. Like I say, if you want to be positive, you can look at it and say we played some nice football in the first half and we did absolutely hee-haw with it. So it's um, highly, highly disappointing. Brian, it, it seems to me as well that it's, you know, what we're talking about, it's the same horror movie time and time again, the deja vu, the same mistakes time and time again. It, it, it happens so often that it's actually becoming predictable what's going to happen next. So at half time, I was sitting with my son watching it, and I said, "You know, you know the difference between us and Celtic." I says, "The the 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 quality of chances that we've created in that first half means they going at half time two and up." I says, "We're going in at nothing each." I says, "Now guarantee you, Aberdeen are going to come out and score early in the second half." And voila, that's what happened. It's that's that's what makes it so frustrating. It's it's the fact that it's repetitive. It's the same stuff time and time again, and also that it, it's so repetitive that you can actually start to predict 
what's you know the next chapter you, you you can see it coming you know as a supporter i can see it coming so so why can't the players it, it's just it's, it's just draining you know what i mean you, you just know what's coming and and i knew it was coming at half time the day you, you got a, a lesson there in the first half of what, what the difference between us and them is you know we're a good side there's no doubt about that we move the ball about well you know we've been on a really really good run of late but the difference between these two teams the, the two teams that are supposedly going for the championship uh, is when they get their chances they score them they put teams to bed we don't we give teams an opportunity to come back in because of the defence that, that Ross has mentioned and then in a game that we're fairly comfortable the thing that really annoyed me is we we totally muted Pataudry it was like a library you know what I mean the, 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 the stages in that first half it didn't feel like a typical Aberdeen Rangers game because they were not really in it they get that goal and all of a sudden it does become a, a, a sort of Aberdeen Rangers game, and at that point, as Ross said, you can you kind of you, you feared for us at that point. And once the second goes in, it's it's, it's game over. Yeah, the, the perfect example of that for me was Sakala's chance in the first half. All all three of their forwards by that chance without without question. Um, that's just me trying to them. You know, I wouldn't back any of my forwards to score that. They had to straight at the goalkeeper, and that for me, that's the. The difference between the two sides at the minute, um, between us and, and them and first is they've got forwards that, that finish those type of chances and, and we don't. And that's the major thing that, that needs addressed in the summer for me is the, the forward play and the, the lack of goals in the team. For us not to score a single goal today with the amount of chances that we created, the amount of possession we had, for me is pretty ridiculous. You can't have that amount of the ball and, and not score at least one goal. Um, and or as you said put it perfectly we're masters of our own downfall at the back we're just giving away cheap goals at times by not not doing the basics giving the ball away Sakala for their first goal doesn't even really challenge for that ball just gives it up easily and then he has a wonder strike whether he means it or not who knows he could probably hit that another 10 times and it would fly over the bar another you know 10 times but he hits it perfectly one time and it goes in but it's just the lack of effort really to even challenge for that ball or do anything really that, that's worrying. It's no surprise to me that you know our worst defensive performances have came when Golden's out of the team. We just seem lost in terms of our whole structure at the back without them um, there to marshal it. And I think one of the things that possibly needs addressed in the summer that's maybe not been talked about much is another partner for Goldson. Both Davies and Suter worry me. I've got a feeling with both of them that they've both got a bit of a rick in them. Um, I don't, neither of them give me confidence of being part of a solid, dependable back four for a full season, to be honest. Um, so that's possibly an area I'd be looking to address in the summer. And we've seen Goldson's picking up more and more injuries now. He, he was, you know, the most reliable player at the club for, for the first, you know, years when he came, but now he's starting to pick up the odd injury. Is that something that needs addressed in the summer as well? So, it's, you know, it, it looks like the problems are piling up and it's all going to need to be addressed in the summer. So it's it's a big, a big window this summer to try and claw that gap back next season. <clears throat> Ross, it's, it's something we've spoke about many, many times on, on, on the pod before and it's you know the character of the team so like I was out for a, a couple of pints from my mate last night you know and we'd, you know, obviously Celtic had drawn one each so my mate sort of half joking was like oh comebacks on you know we win the Mora blah 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 and I was like oh, obviously the league's done they only need five points I'm not not going to get five points from this stage 
But it, it seems very typical uh, of Rangers these days, and, and this group in particular, that when we are handed an opportunity to close the gap, we don't take it. I mean, uh, we, we were talking before we came on air, and we come up with two or three examples just off the top of our heads of times when Celtic have played first, drop points. Okay, on this occasion, it's not going to make much of a difference, but it has in the past. You know, and we're handed that opportunity to either close close the gap on them or at, at various points early in the, 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 the season last season to extend their lead on them and we don't take it you know we don't take it time and time and time again it seems when, when they're handed a challenge they, they, they just buckle you know they, they can't find the, uh, the the sort of steel required whether they be whether they lack the mental sort of toughness whatever it is they, they, they just time and time and time again when they're presented a chance to to close the gap or extend a lead, they can't take it. Um, well, yes, I, I agree with the point. I agree that um, we have passed up opportunities earlier this season, last season, to um, you know to close ground or to extend the lead, as, as it was last year. I, I remember flying up for a game against Motherwell where we were two 0 up. And I believe that Celtic, as we were saying just just before we came on air, Celtic had lost to Livingston. Uh, we were two 0 up against Motherwell at Ibrooks and, and threw it away to a, a, a two each draw uh, last season. Um, however, just to play devil's advocate slightly, and uh, given the sort of bit of a rant I went on about the team five minutes ago, this is this is now a bit of a reversal of that. I wouldn't want to question their character too much when we have I think I'm right in saying we've seen this team go behind uh, 13 times this season and we've come back to win in six of those games so we are able to turn things around in game um, can, can I offer a yeah, conjecture on this sure that character's been revealed when the league was all but done yeah yeah exactly I think that's exactly right um but actually, I am rather than being worried about the character, I'm more concerned that we've gone behind 13 times or considered the first goal 13 times. Completely unacceptable uh, for a team in this position. Um, I think, unfortunately, we are currently stocked full of not Rangers cal- caliber characters, char- players who do not have the right character to play for this football club, players who hide players who don't really care uh, at this point. And I think um, rather than it being a, a question of, you know, not having the, the, the mental fortitude to stand up to the challenge, I think it's players that simply aren't trying hard enough, um, players that aren't necessarily that bothered. That's, that's the sense I've got now. Um, and I find that really, really sad. I think it's a shocking indictment of the recruitment that's gone on. Um, I don't think anyone is too disappointed to see the director of football leave in the last couple of weeks. Um, and I think it's something that really has to be sorted in the summer. Now, I think that Beal, um, if if we believe that the Raskin and the Campbell signings were his, then there's you know possibly reasons for optimism because I think we probably have seen a bit of steel and a bit of dig and a bit of fight from those two players on occasion in the last couple of months. Um, but... Yeah, if we want to call it character, we want to call it mental toughness, whatever we want to call it, we are lacking something in the fibre of those players. And that is something that really needs to be addressed this summer. It's funny you talk about, you know, the the bad recruitment. You know, when we're two and down and you're thinking, right, who are we going to bring on? See when I see Matondo. I <laughs> felt like packing up and going home at that point. But uh, that's yeah. that's a, that's another another thing altogether. Uh 
Brian, you know, like the the chances that we missed in, in the first half. Now Morelos was unlucky with the first one, I think. You know, it was it was it was clever defending with the boys. Obviously noticed sense the danger. Uh, and when everybody's went to the ball, he's backed off and stood in the line and, and managed to clear the effort. You know, the the Sakala the one, that's that's a bad one. You know, the, I, I saw them talking on Sky saying, you know, it was good goalkeeping and all the rest of it. I think the keeper goes down slightly early. And I, and I think either Sakala goes round him or just lifts it and he, and he scores. You know, Raskin, I think that's a good opportunity as well. I, I, all right, his first touch, you know, the way the ball came to him, it was sort of caught caught between his feet a wee bit but I thought he hit it just a wee bit too late allowing that boy to get in and even at that I don't think it's going in uh, and Bonner's one that hit the post I think he's got to hit that sort of hit that across the face of the goal you know I, I don't think he should be going for goal you know and as I said earlier on that, like those four opportunities I'm talking about there you know there's two sort of clear cut ones as I said if Celtic get those I, I think they're scoring at least one of them you know uh, and it it just comes around to the, 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 the sort of feeling that the players that we have in that final third just aren't good enough. I mean, Sakala, for example, focus on him at the moment. You know, it, it, it has good moments. You know, it can be a nuisance. He's, you know, he's pacey, he's direct, he runs at defenders and, and we all know defenders don't like that. You know, direct players. But there's, there is undoubtedly a, a sort of clumsiness about him. Uh, I, I agree with some of the comments on Sky today that when he's got time to think about things, you know, he's more a, an, an instinctive player. I mean, he doesn't have to think about things, he can score. You know, that today he's got to think about it and he's, he's just not got it. And I think we've seen enough from Sakala to say that he's not good enough, you know what I mean? And when, and when you look at some of the others in that final third, they're not good enough. You know, they're not good enough to play for Rangers. They're not clinical enough when they're presented with chances they don't take them um, I mean Morelos today he only had that one chance that I can recall you know I mean it's for a striker I mean I, I, Morelos isn't a player I think you know a sort of player that would get the ball outside the box and create a goal from nothing you know take on a couple of players and, and score he's relying on players to set him up with a shot at goal because of basically because he's physical, physical condition he's, he's not mobile he's not fit that's that's to me that's the problem. Obviously, there's Roof, who I think's the best striker at the club, but you know, it, it's time for him to go as well because it, we, we simply kind of get him on the park and get him fit. Seeing these chances going to beg, and you're just like, that's that that's a major problem at Rangers at the moment. We do not have players who are clinical enough that when they get these chances, they bury them, and 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 that gives you the chance to you know if you take two out of those four or five chances, you're going to have time with every chance that the game's already done. Yeah, I think it's the biggest problem at the, at the club and it's probably the one that needs addressed first in the summer is the, the striker problem. We lack strikers that have got ice in their veins that when they go through one-on-one you would back them 100% to score a la a Chris Boyd or a Kenny Miller in his second spell after Chris Boyd left when he got those 20 goals in the first half of the season or whatever it was he got. You know, Those were, those were two examples of strikers that had completely upper ice in their veins but then when they were through one-on-one you knew nine times out of ten they were going to score. We don't have that now. In, in, in any of our forwards, I wouldn't have necessarily backed any of them to score that Sakala chance, um, to be honest. So it's it's probably the biggest problem we've got in terms of needing fixed in the summer. Um, we need a couple of strikers in, I would say at least, especially if Morelos goes and all signs look like he is going to go. Personally, I think it's time for him to leave. We paid a million pounds for him. I think we've probably had 
a million pounds worth out of him in terms of what he's given us, particularly for those first two or three years. Um, so it's a shame we sort of passed up the opportunity to make a profit on him, but I guess it's just one of those things that we kind of look back on and, and regret. Um, but yeah, I think it's time for, for some freshness um, in the whole team, but particularly up front. I think we need we need a new front line. I think Kent as well. I think it's kind of time to be then gone in terms of he doesn't really look as hungry anymore or as dynamic um, when he's on the pitch. Sakala for me is a decent squad option. I wouldn't mind him as a squad option, but as a first pick, I don't think he's got the quality. You know, he's he's a nuisance and he's got pace, but he's also just as liable to trip over the ball. Um, so for me, we need somebody that if he's going to play out wide, you know that more often than not when he gets the ball, he's capable of beating his, beating his man. Sakala might be capable of it, but nine times out of ten, he just runs straight at his opponent. Or as he did today when he was one-on-one, there was a moment when he, he tried to play in Barisic and the pass was never on and it ended up just going to play that. Frustrated me no end. Um, so I think there's major, major surgery needed to that front line, um, first and foremost this summer. On the issue of Kent, Ross, now I don't, I don't want to be too sort of hard on Ryan Kent because he, he wasn't part of that defeat today. But I found myself involved in a, a, a sort of discussion with someone on Twitter the day. It felt like he was having an argument, and I was just having a discussion because he was, he was, he was quite full on. But he, he was making a comparison. He was having a go at people who were making a comparison between Kent and Sakala. Now I know the point he was trying to make. I don't think the two. But it's the same level in terms of their natural ability. I think Kent is obviously the more natural player. Uh, sorry, the more uh, he's got the most natural ability out of the two. However, when you look at the numbers, Sakala gives us more. You know what I mean? Sakala's given us more goals. I think he's only got one less assist uh, than Kent. I was also looking at players that are above Ryan Kent in the scoring stakes. Scott Arfield, who plays every four months or something like that has scored more goals than Ryan Kent, who pretty much plays every minute of, of, of every season. And and so, you know, even although he wasn't playing the day, we're simply not getting it. It doesn't mean he's not part of the problem. We are simply not getting enough out of people like Kent, people like Morelos, obviously people like Ruth, because of his injuries, even Cholak. I mean, I, I know he started the season well, but I've, I've got my doubts about Cholak as well, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not convinced he's, he's what we're looking for. But Ken is is a frustrating one because, you know, he came with a high price. We have seen what he's capable of. I mean, in, in the, the 55 season, he was so influential. I have a theory that that's because that's when Roof played most of his football. He had a natural sort of player that was kind of on the same uh, level on him. And I thought they linked up well that season. I think since Roof, has, his game times became less and less. That's when Ryan Kent has, has started to struggle a wee bit. That said, I still think we should be getting more out of you know the, the the lack of goals, lack of assists. That that's a major problem. You know, when someone that's a high earner who costs you seven million pound to bring him through the door, who there was a lot of expectation on, you know, even although he wasn't playing today, and you know, I don't want to go in too heavy on the boy because of that, but you, you can't just ignore that. It is a problem that someone like that isn't producing enough. Uh, yes, I, I absolutely agree. But I actually think it's unfair to, to single Ryan Kent out. Um, if you were to run down a list of our top five best, in inverted commas, best footballers, Ryan Kent, absolutely. Um, probably Alfredo Morelos. 
Uh, arguably, someone like a Glenn Kamara, um, definitely a Kamara Roof. Um, have we got enough out of any of those players this season? I appreciate that's only four. Who's the fifth? Maybe maybe James Tavernier, and, and maybe he's the one that gets pass marks. Um, but our so-called best players are consistently not performing. Now, Ryan Kent, I agree, is probably the most uh, dramatic and the most instantly visible and obvious because you're right as a, that kind of creative forward line player. Um, if you're not creating or scoring goals, you're not doing your job. So it's it, it, immediately when you're not getting those kind of numbers, it's... Um, it's a, it's a stick to beat you with and it's not as if you're performing the role of say a Nicholas Raskin or a, a Ryan Jack where you can you can go oh he's playing that kind of role where you don't necessarily see all the good work that he's doing or a lot of his best work is off the ball but not when you're playing as a you know on the side of a forward three um, your best work has to be on the ball has to be on the ball and that has to manifest in, in numbers so Ryan Kent it's instantly obvious that he's not contributing enough Um or is not living up to his his own ability. I don't know why that is. Is that attitude? Is that luck? Is it that he's being marked out of the game, or that he's being bullied out of the games? I don't know. Um, but you're right. We've we've seen in flashes what that boy can do. But actually, if if he were to leave this summer, um, which I guess as as time takes down, that's looking more and more likely. I don't know. Calling the question for you: Do you categorise Ryan Kent's? Time at Rangers, say the, the three or three seasons he's been here. Do you categorise Ryan Kent's time at Rangers as a success? Because I don't no. know if I would. No, I wouldn't. And someone when I was watching the Celtic game uh, a couple of weeks back, someone made a really good point that I hadn't considered about Ryan Kent was. You know, he is of a certain standard that will attract either sort of lower level sort of Premiership club. I think Leeds have been mentioned, Leeds United, <laughs> or a top end maybe championship club now they they can all offer him serious money in, in terms of his, his salary and the, the question that came to me was would you match that based on what he's given us over the last three or four years would you give him that level of of remuneration because it's not as much to them down the road because of the the you know the income that they can generate for example if Leeds United want to pay him 40 grand a year say right and I'm just picking a sort of random number, but I, I don't think I'll be a million miles away fr- from the sort of st- figures that we're, that we're talking about. If they want to pay him 40 grand a year, uh, sorry, 40 grand a week, do, would, would you be comfortable matching that? I wouldn't, because I don't think we're getting 40, 30, 40 grand a week out of Ryan Kent at the moment. So I, I hadn't thought about it in that sort of context. And when they, when they, when they put that point across, I was like, no, I would, I, I would let him go. I think... I, I was speaking to John from the pod, John McCallum, a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, ah, he thinks Kent needs a move. He just looks like he's maybe served his time here. He, he maybe needs a, a, a change of scenery and stuff like that. And maybe that's the case. But from a Rangers perspective, if I'm sitting making the decision here, you know, 30, 35, 40 grand a week, whatever it is that he'll be looking for, I, I don't know if I'd be prepared to pay that for Ryan Kent based on what we've got back, you know, I'm, I'm not writing off his entire Rangers career, absolutely not. There have been some excellent moments from the boy, as I said, especially in the 55 season. Some great moments in Europe as well. One blindingly obvious bad one in a certain final last year, but we'll, we'll, we'll not go into that. But am I, I I'm prepared to match the sort of salary that he can get elsewhere? I, I don't think I would be, no. No, and I, I think... Um... I think you're absolutely right that, that that's what makes it easier for us to kind of say farewell at the end of the season. And, you know, you can 
I remember having a, a debate with someone last season when it looked like Goldson was was for the off. They then signed a, a contract extension very, very late. And uh, this chap was saying to me, you know, it's, it's an absolute disgrace that we're not getting anything for him. But uh, you have to look at it the other way and think about how much money we're freeing up in that wage budget. Because right now, I, I don't know, I don't know, of course, none of us know what Ryan Kent earns, but um, you can't imagine it's going to be anything less than what, 20 odd grand a week. Um, it'll, be a, it'll, be, it'll be one of the highest earners. Ex- exactly. No doubt about that. Exactly. So getting that off the wage bill and having those funds available to distribute elsewhere um, is key. Now, obviously, we're, we're approaching this without a director of football. Um, some people happy about that, some people not so happy about that. Uh, it, it, it all comes back to the question of recruitment this summer and what can we do with those funds. By the way, it's not just Ryan, like I say, it's not just Ryan Kent that we have that, that debate about. It's Alfredo Morelos, it's Glenn Camara, um, it's, it's a number of players. So we shall see. I was well. You've just you've just basically led me into the the the, the next sort of item on the agenda, but which is Morelos, uh, Brian. Uh, I mean, again, you know, I mentioned earlier on. You know, I don't think he's the sort of player that can create a goal out of nothing. I think he basically. I, I mean, I, I thought I actually said to my son in, in, in the early stages there, I thought he was playing quite well. But as always, it's deep. It's linking up the play. It's not really in an area where he's threatening teams and, and you know, hurting teams. Uh, links the play up well, all that kind of stuff, holds defenders off. But I actually think the first goal, the Aberdeen's first goal, comes from the fact that Alf- Alfredo Morelos is, is playing up front today. So, we all know he's not fit, he's not mobile, he's, you know, I think it's a, a, a bit of a mild disgrace. I think he gets an easy ride on his, his physical condition, if I'm being honest. However, the first goal, I mean, I, I, I'm not convinced Tav makes the best decision in terms of passing it to Morelos in, in the way that he did. Uh, because I, I just don't think Morelos, Morelos wants it to feet. He's not going to run for it, you know what I mean? And, it, it, and Scale sees it and he's on it in a flash. And that's it. So he's on it in a flash. I don't think he meant it. I, I think it's across. He says he looked up to see McGregor off his line. He doesn't. He looks across to see who's in the box and he mishits it and it goes in. And that's fine. That's part of the game, you know. You win some, you lose some in that respect in, in terms of the luck. But it comes for, I, I, I don't think Tav made the best, best decision trying to give him that ball. But also Morelos, you know, he's not prepared to run and and then he, he just sort of gives up the chase, he falls and, and then that's it. But it showed you a clip later on in, on Sky from behind the goal when Tav was about to make the pass and you saw the full picture, right? And Aberdeen were pressing really high and there's only two defenders. Right, there are two defenders on the halfway line, and the whole uh, the Aberdeen half to run into. And the thought went through my mind: if Tav had a striker with pace, he wouldn't need to find them, you know, feet and all the rest. Of it. He could just have hit that into space and say, "Go for a run." And maybe if if he did have a striker with a bit of pace, scales isn't he as as close. He, he's worried about the, the the space in behind, so he backs off. But he doesn't, and he knows the minute he sees that pass, he knows Morelos isn't mobile, not quick enough, so he goes for it, gets it. And scores, and that, that's I just don't think that's good enough from a Rangers striker. You know, what I mean, I don't think he hurts defenses enough. I don't think he's mobile enough. I, I didn't see it until they obviously showed that clip. But the minute I saw it, I thought, look at that space. If he had a striker with pace, you would be saying to Tavernier, just just lump it in there, and I'll, I'll I'll take the boy for a run, and we'll see how it goes. But you can't do that. He needs it to feet. He needs to hold defenders off, and then ask his midfielders and other strikers to come up and support him. And it's probably just a long-winded way of saying, 
I think his time's done. I think we need a fresh, a new striker, a new approach, someone that's going to give us more than just, you know, being a bit robust and physical and all the rest of it. Someone that, that, that's going to turn defenders, make them worry about the space in behind. I don't think Alfredo Morales does that. I mean, the, the peak years, he sort of 18, 19, when he was running riot in the, the Europa League, those days are long gone and they're no coming back. It doesn't look like he has the appetite to get back to that sort of level of fitness and uh, performance level. So, in my opinion, as much as we all love the guy, it's it's time for him to go. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, to be honest, Morelos' years, certainly at Rangers, but possibly in his career or behind him now, I think Morelos' peak was when he arrived. We've seen that he was, he was a menace to defences. He was bullying back four single-handedly. Um, he doesn't do that anymore. He's not the same player. He's not... He's almost not got the same attributes, which is weird to say. It's the regression is so stark that it's unbelievable. He's he's almost like a, a different player. You know, you're talking about half hitting it in behind. I remember in the 55 season against Celtic, I'm sure it was at Parkhead when Tab did hit the ball in behind. And I'm sure it was Ayer that got sent off because he filled Morelos when he chased it in behind. That was the exact ball that Tav could have played today if Morelos had that same kind of desire and will to run in behind and, and pace and condition, he just doesn't have that anymore. Um, you know, this was a player that at his peak was bullying top European sides and top European defenders. I remember him absolutely ragdoll and Pepe. Um, when we played Porto, he, he made mincemeat out of some of the, the top defenders in, in Europe and he's, he's just not that, that same type of a player anymore. This was a, a striker that I honestly felt that you know, once he left Rangers, he would genuinely be going on to potentially, you know, a real, real top level. But I just, I don't think he's got it in him anymore. Um, and that's that's sad to see. Cause I do think, by his peak, he could have went as high in the game as he wanted to. But I don't know what it is in him that's kind of he's lost. But he's just, he definitely seems to have lost something. He's his appetite for the game, or he's his hunger or his desire something but I definitely think it's time both for Rangers and possibly Morelos to have a fresh start somewhere else Well he's not lost his hunger in all respects if, you know, if the truth be known uh, but we'll not get into that but I, I mean I agree I remember the night the, the night against the, the night I always remember it was a night against Feyenoord uh, uh, over in Rotterdam and when he got the second goal you know again I was turning to my son going oh this guy's Different gravy, you know, we've got a proper, proper striker here. We'll make a profit on him. We'll get a couple of years out of him, make a profit. And as you say, I, I, I do wonder if it's maybe linked to his background. You know, I believe like he came from a fairly poor, poorish background. You know, he's earning really good money at Ibrox, you know, compared to, you know, the rest of his. You know, he's financially secure. Maybe that's just, maybe he's just thought, well, this is me. I'm fine. I've, I've made my money and that, that's it. Because you're right, something's went. And I, and I agree with you. I think if he had the the, the real sort of desire to, to push it and see where he, he would have went. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he would have got a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or something like that. But I certainly think he would have got one of those leagues. You know, he'd have got a Premiership club, a Spanish club. You know, he would, he would have went to one of the, the tougher leagues. And I, I think uh, Porto were interested in him at one point. You know, but I, I just wonder if, you know, being a big fish in a wee pond kind of suited him and he, he didn't want to really push it elsewhere. And it, it is, it's a shame. And you see the result, you know, he's stagnated. Uh, he, he looks, you know, a shell of the player that, that he used to be. And I do, as much as 
you know, I love what, what the guy's done for us. I, I do. I think it's, I, I think it's time for a a fresh sort of start for both club and player. Uh, Ross, I mean, the, the, the second goal again comes from us. You know, obviously we're talking about the first goal there. You know, Tav to Morelos, we we, we, we lose possession. There's there's a transition as they call it in the game, uh, and and Aberdeen get the goal. The second one's kind of similar. Uh, you know, Sakala has the ball. Okay, Beal's arguing it was a foul. I'm not convinced, to be honest with you. There's a tug, but there's not enough. There's certainly not enough to, to put Sakal off enough that he, he, he gives the ball away in, in the manner he does. Okay, in defence of Sakala, there's still a, a little bit between him giving possession away and, and conceding the goal. But it comes from these moments, you know, it comes from, you know, being wasteful with the ball. And then when it ends up in our final third, yet again, you know, from, from, from one flank to the other, Borna at the back post again kind of thing just not marking properly and the, the thing that really struck me the minute uh, you know the ball went past McGregor McGregor's face just, just just sort of said it all as if you know I've been here so many fucking times with these players just not defending properly and and at that point the game's gone you know there's there's, there's no way back after that yeah I mean look I think some credit has to go to Aberdeen that it's actually a nice goal like, so it is a good ball in. Um, yes, Cala giving the ball away should have, could and should have done better. Um, Borna, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt that Borna kind of got caught in two minds as to whether he should step up and try and play the boy offside. Very dangerous with the ball like that coming across the box or, or you know, actually jostle around and, and, and get to the ball first. So I think Borna needs to take some responsibility, but it is a very, very good ball in and a nice header and a good goal, but avoidable. Um, and that's probably been the, the, the characteristic of the season. It's, it's actually um, laughable how many avoidable goals we've conceded. Um, it, it feels that teams, actually, okay, none of the goals today were, were scored in this manner, but teams getting the ball down on, on have side and cutting inside and playing the ball across the box for someone to have a tap in. That's become the way to score against Rangers. Um, so it's really disappointing again today to, to, to lose another goal to sloppy defending. Um, but I, actually, I, I would give them some credit for the goal. It's a, I say it's a, it's a good ball and it's a good header. But you're right, McGregor's face um, was a picture and probably told the story. Um, not that McGregor's been free of criticism at all this season. You know, he's he's another player that's not performed and should have been replaced in the summer. Um, there were again occasions uh, at the game today where I felt he failed to deliver with cross balls into the box that he was punching where he should have caught. Um, well, on that, my, my mate blames him for the first goal. Would you go with that? I'm not so sure. I, I, don't, I don't blame him for the first, but my mate messes me to say, "No, McGregor again." What, what's your thoughts? I don't think. So no, um, it's a freak goal. It's a stupid goal. It's an annoying goal, but it's a cross, and he was actually for a cross from forty yards out. He was he was in the right place to deal with the cross if it worked as a cross. So no, I don't blame. I don't actually blame him for either of the goals today. But um, he's he's just another another one on the list of players that need to be replaced this summer. I'm sorry that every question you've asked me, I've answered it by talking about how much we need to fix the squad. But to me, that's that's the biggest issue. Yeah, uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that, Ross. Uh, Brian, uh, 
I kind of felt for Michael Beale today. You know, he said after the game, you know, the performance was really in our hands and we were very wasteful in the final third on a day when we had to come up against a hugely committed home team and a buoyant home crowd. I would, I would add that we made that crowd buoyant. You know, it was our mistakes that I, I thought we'd silence the crowd, which is what you're supposed to do in away games, you know, you know, keep it, keep keep them quiet for the first sort of ten, fifteen minutes, and 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 get them get the the, the crowd muted. We'd done that, and then a stupid mistake lets them back into it. Uh, and then he says it stings. It's not a nice feeling at all, blah blah. And then he also spoke about you know it, it felt like you know stuff that we've heard a million times before. You know, we'll focus on it and training. We'll put it right moving forward. You know, we'll do it next season. And and I, I, I felt from because. It's it's not his fault that we've heard all this a million times before over the last few years, but it was a bit like I've heard all this before. I've heard this so many times, you know, from players. You know, every time there's a bad result, it's you know, yeah, the players are gutted. We're really disappointed. We didn't turn up. We'll put it right, and then they don't put it right. They just, you know, they fail, promise to fix, and then repeat, and it's just a constant, constant sort of loop, uh, and. I mean, obviously, Beal's not long in the door. I, I get that. I'm, I'm not uh, for any point here, sort of suggesting that we, we need to move him on or, or get rid of him. It's it's very very early in his his, his Rangers managerial career, but it already feels like he's reaching a the, the sort of first major point where he has to make big big decisions. Uh, and if he doesn't, I, I, my mate summed it up really well the day. He says he has to be ruthless in the summer because if he's not ruthless enough. He'll, he'll suffer the same fate as Gio. If he puts his faith in some of the characters that are in that dressing room, then his head's going to end up in a spike. Yeah, it was kind of a, a bit of a worry with um, Michael Beale coming in midway through the season is how damaging could a kind of disappointing back end of the season be? You know, we could potentially be looking at a trophy season and no victories against Celtic. And you just wonder how damaging could that be if we go into next season and he doesn't hit the ground running, does that then do people then start to bring up his record at the back end of this season and kind of point to that as questioning him? Um, I think if we remember that the kind of same thing happened with, with Pedro when he came in midway through the season, I'm not comparing the Premier managers. I think Michael Beale's a far better manager than Pedro Cushinia. I like Michael Beale as manager. I like the way he speaks. I think he's a, a fantastic coach. Anyone that ever said anything about him has worked under him. It's only ever had positive things to say, but I agree he's got to be ruthless this season. It's probably one of the things people questioned when he came in because he knew a lot of this squad was how ruthless is he capable of being with a lot of these players that he's worked with before. And I think we're going to find that out this summer. He's going to need to clear a lot of them out. And players that you know he spoke highly of when he came in, I remember him in an interview in one of his first games, he spoke about Glenn Kamara and I think he said when Kamara will always be in a squad that I'm managing, but I think right now he's just one of a number of players that that we kind of need to try and clean out and get some money for where we can. Um, so he's got a big job this summer. I think he knows he's got a big job, which I think the, the kind of positive I'm taking is that he's not blinded um, by any of these the players that he's worked with. Before. I think he sees what we are seeing, which is always the good thing. You kind of get worried when managers start trying to tell fans that what they're seeing is not the case and it's not as bad as what we're thinking it is. But I think I think he's kind of alive to the changes that are needed. Um, and I think that's positive. He spoke about almost in every press conference for the last 
number of weeks he's emphasised how big this summer's going to be and that a lot of the work's already done and we're hoping to get our business done early and by the time pre-season starts we should have a number of new players in so he's, he's saying all the right things I guess now we've just got to go and deliver over the over the summer and hopefully at the start of next season we're looking at a, a different squad and we can hit the right running Ross, on, on to the squad. So I, w- I was thinking about this today be- be- before we came on air. So uh, by my estimations, what we're looking at for the for the summer is a new keeper, uh, a new left side of, of, of the defence, uh, at least three mid- midfielders because, you know, a, 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 not purely a footballing decision. I, I think it's more to do with his, his, his injury record. I, I think the game's up for Ryan Jack. You know, that injury last week being announced, I thought, you know, it showed, it, I think it showed form good enough, you know, over the last few weeks to, to, to warrant a, a year extension. But I was always under the impression that, yeah, if he can see that out to the end of the season, then fine. If not, if he breaks down again, then, no, I'm sorry, his, his time's up. And, and unfortunately, he's broken down again. So, you know, I think Kamara will go. I would like to see Lundstrom go because th- that, that guy just, absolutely fucking annoys me beyond belief. You know, when you think about what he done in that European run, again, a bit like Ryan Kent, you know what he's capable of. You've seen what he can do and he just doesn't do it time and time again. I've never seen a player so incapable of controlling a five-yard pass. You know what I mean? It bounces off him and then when he tries to pass it, he, he, he gets it wrong and then he starts pointing the fingers at other people. It, it, just, it just irritates me. So I think Ryan Jack, I think it's time for him to go based on his injury record. Lundstrom, based on his performances, I think it's time to go. I think we all agree that Kamara's probably, you know, coming to the end of his Rangers career. So that's three midfielders that that, that, that we need to replace if, if, all, if all of those go. Uh, you know, we've, we've spoken earlier on about, you know, I, I think Sakala. I mean, I know Brian mentioned there that he would have him as a squad player. I'm not so sure. I think, again, we've, we've, we've got to look at uh, improving the quality in that, in that area of the park, including the squad players. So I I I would like to see Sakala moved on. I, I think it's time for Kent to be moved on and Morelos. So that's three in the final third of the park as well. So you're you're looking at like nine ten ins based on who 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 go out. You know you're that's a major overhaul. And what worries me about that? You know when I'm sitting down looking at it, I was like, Christ Almighty, that's a that's a huge amount of bodies we need to get in the building. Uh, can we afford such an overhaul? You know what I mean? Is Beal actually going to have to... Can Beal be as ruthless as he maybe wants to be? Is he, is he going to be forced to put his faith in some of these players because uh, A, we're, we're not going to be able to get them out the door and, and B, we can't afford to buy replacements? Well, we'll we will have to afford replacements. I agree. We're looking at 9, 10, 11 players coming in this summer. Um, and, the, you know, the problem that we have is that it's... Uh, we have delayed a rebuild. We we should have rebuilt last summer. Um, arguably, we should have rebuilt after 55. We could have seen this coming. Um, but we've delayed that rebuild. So now not only are we getting rid of the players who aren't performing or aren't good enough, you're also getting rid of the players who we kept giving another year to uh, and they're just too old to hack it now that Alan McGregor, John McLaughlin, Scott Arfield, Stephen Davis still in the wage book. Um those guys are at the tail end of their careers should have should have all gone before now, in my opinion. Um, 
So the, the fact that we delayed that rebuild means that we have more players to replace. We have more vacancies to fill. Um, also, uh, we sort of talk about how uh, we, you know Morella should go or Kent should go. It's fine; those those players are are out of contracts. But your players, like if you wanted to move a Sakala, actually personally, I would keep Sakala as a squad player. I'm, I'm, I'm with Brian on that. Um, but if you wanted to move on a, a Kamara or a um, you know a John Lundstrom, who are very much in contract. Doesn't just happen, and that, that was arguably it was one of Ross Wilson's downfalls was that he couldn't move players out the door as well as bringing players in. Um, but we will have to be able to afford them. You know, the money that's coming from Champions League this year, from Calvin Bassey, from Joe Rebo, that has to be reinvested properly, not reinvested on four million on Ravi Matondo or four million on um, on Ben Davies, two signings that again haven't been good enough. Um, yeah, it's a hell of a job this summer. And as I say, we're doing that without, a, it seems to be without a director of football, whether that's a, a choice or a necessity, whether that's short term or long term, I don't know. Um, I, I am very, very pro Michael Beale. Uh, I agree again with all the comments that, that Brian made earlier about him. Um, and I believe that he's experienced enough and been around football long enough to be able to identify players and know the kinds of players he wants to work with. Um, so I'm I'm maybe not as concerned about a lack of a, a director of football as, as others might be, but you know, still we're asking for some hell of a job this summer. But can can we afford it? We're we are quite simply going to have to. We're gonna have to because none of us can afford another season like this. Absolutely none of us. Brian, how do you feel about the the, the sort of you know the rebuild that's required in the summer. Would you agree? It's like we're looking at a major overhaul, and I, I think Ross is right. This this comes down to like someone asked me recently because I'm I, I wasn't quite as you know uh, as angry as other people at, at Ross Wilson. Uh, I, I'm not saying I I thought he was doing a fantastic job. I wasn't just quite as angry that I was taking banners to the game with a big red cross through his face and all that kind of stuff. But some, I was speaking to someone after the game last week, and they're like, "Well, what do you think?" And I was like, "Well, the way I look at it is, you know, the amount of players that are still in that team that were in the team when Ross Wilson arrived in was it 2019. So you're basically like McGregor, Tav, Borna, Golton, you know, Arfield still there, Jack still there, Ryan Kent, Morelos. You know, I mean, basically like basically not far off eleven players. You know, what I mean, basically like. 80-90% you're starting 11 is still there I say so to me that's his biggest downfall Ross Wilson that's why I think a lot of people wanted him out because the squad hasn't evolved enough over the last three or four years and now we're paying for it now we're looking at that team saying we need maybe nine or ten ins uh, is that what you would would you agree it's it's major surgery that's required in the summer yeah absolutely um, for me, we shouldn't be in a position where we're having to do a major squad overhaul all at once. The idea of this is that you can incrementally improve your squad every summer, and if that means one big sale every summer in order to bring two or three in to improve the squad, then that's what should happen. But we've left it late. You know, we should have sold players when we won fifty-five. That was the time we should have cashed in on Morelos. Then, arguably, we should have cashed in on Kimara and Kane when they were at their peak value. That was the time to try and get some money in for them and then reinvest that over the course of two or three windows and improve the squad so we don't have to then do a massive overhaul in the one summer. Um, the biggest worry for me about getting into this summer with no director of football isn't about the incomings. I trust Michael Beale to identify players and know the quality he needs 
to win the league up here. Um, he's been around Scottish football long enough. He he knows what it takes to win a league in, in Scotland. He's he's proven that. My biggest worry is, you know, the players we are talking about shipping out your uh, John Lundstrom, your Glenn Kamara, your Borna Barisic, um, players like that, they're all still under contract. We need to find clubs that want to take these players and want to pay them what they want. Um, my biggest worry is we might end up having to hang on to some of these players because we just can't find clubs that are that are willing to take them and we don't want to start handing players money to, you know, rip up contracts. I don't think we want to go down that road again. That's just kind of money down the drain, is it? Where, you know, we need to find clubs to take these players if we want to sell them. And it's hard enough selling players when other clubs know that you want to sell them. They're not liable to give you the kind of money that you think they're worth if they know that these are players you actively don't want or actively want to sell. So I think that's just as big a job as getting players in. For me, is trying to generate some money. And this is where I think we might need to be smart with the players that we buy. You know, look at Malik Tillman. I think everyone agrees that he's a player that we should be trying to sign permanently. But if the cost of that is £5 million, you know, how much does that eat into our transfer budget on one player? Could it be a case that we don't sign Tillman? Because that £5 million could get us potentially an extra two or three players in different positions instead of spending it all on one. I think these might need to be the decisions that we make in the summer. And not having a director of football to make these types of decisions does worry me a bit. I mean, on Tillman, where are you? Would you spend £5 million? I mean, I've seen some suggestions that, you know, based on what the, the sort of reported deal is, you know, Rangers have got sort of first dibs on them. Uh, for five million, but if another club offers more, then you know that that deal is, you know, it's redundant. You know, the the team that comes in with the most money gets them. You know, I've heard that Bayern have, have sort of been suggesting that they're looking for closer to seven million for for Tillman. Now, I don't know if that's true. Obviously, it's rumours and and all that kind of stuff. But I've, I've got to be honest with you. Even I'm at the stage now thinking five million. You know, I think maybe Ryan Kent starting to play my mind here. You know, I'm I'm looking at Tillman thinking. Five million is a lot of money. Would I, would I want to spend that on them? I've, I've got absolutely no doubt that the, that the boys different gravy. But in every sort of game, like against Celtic and today Aberdeen, the, the fixtures that are a little more meatier, we can't get him into the game. He just disappears for me, and and that's starting to. I was, you know, two three weeks ago, I was offered get him signed, get the deal done. I must admit, when when I look at the overhaul that's required and the money that's been quoted for Tillman, I'm not so sure anymore. I think that's where I can hesitate on it is how big of an impact would paying potentially £5 million for Tillman have on the remainder of our transfer budget because we know that we need to do a massive rebuild. To do that kind of rebuild, you need you need significant funds um, to finance that. So if putting £5 million into Tillman is going to be you know, a substantial portion of our transfer budget for the entire summer, I think you've got to think twice about it and say, right, we know he's a quality player. In an ideal world, we would love to keep him, but we maybe need to be a bit smarter with the money that we do have and say, right, £5 million could get us two or three players, possibly players that we could develop and sell on for a profit again in different positions, or we could buy one player in Malik Dillman, and I think potentially we might need to be a bit smarter, but in terms of quality, I think there's no doubt that he's He's the quality of player that we need, yes. The kind of slightly bigger games and the kind of tougher games in terms of having to go to Pataudry and battle and pass them by, that might just be a an age thing. I think it's 
easy to forget that I think he's is he younger than Alex Lowry? Is that right? Did I hear that he's actually younger than Alex Lowry or just about ages with Lowry? Lowry doesn't even get in our team, so he's still he's still a very young player. So that in terms of that those games passing him by, it might just be an age thing where with maturity he'll kind of go into those games and start to snap his authority on it. But it might be a case that five million pounds is just too much for us to put put on one player when we need to do such a massive rebuild. Ross, uh, no big game coming up next week, semi-final. You know, if we fail to win that, then everything we're looking for is over. You know, there's, we're, we're finishing the season empty-handed and we're basically handing Celtic another treble because obviously based on the opposition that, that, that they'll face in the final, it would be highly unlikely uh, that, that, that they wouldn't win that. So we're looking at, you know, fail to win next week, Celtic win a treble. Now, you know, that's catastrophic. That's a catastrophic failure when you consider... You know how many points we won won the league by two seasons ago when we won fifty five. You know, I mean, Celtic have won two titles, uh, two two trophies last season. They could win three this season. I mean, no one predicted that when we won fifty five. You know, we're so far ahead of them at that point. And I still think we blew it last season in the league. You know, because when when they were struggling earlier on, we could have really extended the lead on them and and, and put them out of sight. Failed to do that. Handed them a league. We handed them a league before Christmas this season. You know what I mean? It's it. It does feel like you know season ticket renewals have just came out. You know, as a supporter, you're thinking, "Am I just going to hand over my cash here and get just more disappointment rammed down my throat?" You know, even when we were on top and we were so far on top. You know, I mean, Celtic were nowhere that season. We allow them back in rather than keeping our foot on their throats. We let them back in, and I do. I just wonder if the board at that point looked at the points gap and thought, "We were so far ahead, we don't need to make too many changes," and we've and we're now paying the price for that. Yeah, uh, possibly, possibly. Um, maybe there was some complacency. Maybe everyone laughed too much at you know what happened that downfall of Celtic that season with you know barriers being thrown and. Neil Lennon being chased, and then so, but that was funny. Was more, uh, come on, that was, was very funny. funny absolutely, yeah. it was absolutely brilliant. But maybe there was, maybe there was complacency, and then they bring in this unknown quantity Australian geezer from you know playing out or coaching out was, in Japan, and who was our second choice? Remember, you know what I mean? Well, they exactly, all, and that they put, that everything, they put everything on on how I know, and um, that all contributes to this. Maybe there was a complacency. If that's the case, what the hell happened this summer gone, you know, last last year between the 21-22 season and the 22-23 season? We've lost the league. Um, so there's been a sharp wake-up call. Why did we not rebuild last summer? Why did we not rebuild last summer? Um, I'd, I'll, I'll never understand that. Uh, that, that. That for me is, is the real crime. Um, and, and I don't know whether that's the board, whether that's the manager that was in place at that time, um, who's obviously Van Bronckhorst, whether that was Ross Wilson, whether it was a combination of the three, I, I don't know. But um, look, if, if we are looking at a trophyless season again, because um, obviously the last two seasons we've won trophies, but before that we went pretty considerable length of time without winning anything. Um, if we're looking at another trophyless season next year, there's, there's going to be riots. There's going to be riots. So 
Um, but I don't know what's caused that. I don't know why we why we didn't strengthen after 55. I, I certainly don't know why we didn't strengthen last year. But just to go over what we've already said, it's, it's left us with a monumental task this summer and we're doing it without a director of football. We're doing it with a relatively new and inexperienced manager. Uh, we're doing it at a time when we've been embarrassed in the Champions League. So will players from England look at that and go, I want to go and play for them in the Champions League and get pumped 7-1 at home by Liverpool? Probably not. Um, yeah, it feels a little bit bleak, doesn't it? Next week, Brian, how are you feeling? I mean, I've, I've got to say I'm I'm not hopeful. I, I just don't trust this this squad. I just uh, I just think there's too many characters in there that are uh, just going to let us down. You know, I think we saw that at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago when we were well in the game. We just always find a way to, to make, you know, an error that, that costs us. I mean, we can all look at Kevin Clancy a couple of weeks ago and I don't think we should ignore that. You know, it had an, an impact on the game. But my sort of take on it was, you know, Kevin Clancy costs us a draw. The two mistakes that we had cost us the chance of win because we were well in the game. And that, that's why I don't fancy us next week. I just think there's characters in there that uh, are going to let us down. You know what I mean? I just I just don't trust a lot of people in that team. And I just think they're flying. You know, they're confident. They they know if they they know if they win next week it's a treble. So I'm not I'm not confident. How are you? Yeah, I'm very much the same. It's difficult to see how we go from what we just watched to where we need to get to to win next weekend. Yeah, this feels a bit like the reverse of I don't know if you remember the the old firm fixture in the, the 55 season. I think it was in the Scottish Cup where we beat them 4-1 at Ibrox. Stephen Davis scored the overhead kick. That's yeah. the most confident I've ever been getting an old firm game. I think we all knew that we were going there and we would turn them over. Um, we were flying, they were they were nowhere. And I'm I'm kind of imagining this is how they're feeling going into this one next weekend, to be honest. Um, because they they've got all the momentum, all the confidence. And we're just struggling at the minute. We're just kind of waiting for the end of the season. And, you know, even even the picture last weekend at the very end of season feel about it for the first yeah. 70 minutes. It just feels like these players are just waiting for the end of that season. They're just, it can't come quick enough for them. A lot of them probably know that their futures aren't at Ibrooks. And they're just, they'll just want the end of the season to come tomorrow, basically. And I just, I don't know if enough of them have got one last push in them. To get us over the line next weekend. To be honest, I just like yourself. I don't, I don't trust them to to get us to where we need to be to, to win next weekend. So I'm not feeling particularly confident. Maybe if you ask me again on Friday after the battle was kicked, then I'll be saying that we're we're going to win three now. But right now, I just I just can't see it. No, I'll not I'll no feel like that on Friday either, uh, I can assure you. Uh, right, so uh, looking at the clock, guys, probably best to, to wrap things up there. So a big thanks to Ross uh, and Brian for coming on tonight and discussing that. It's always difficult when it's a, a poor result. Uh, so big thanks to them. Great stuff, as always. Uh, we were live tonight. We were live on the Sunday night, but the, the pod should be available to download and stream on a variety of platforms from tomorrow, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube. Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify, all your usual places. As I said, a big thanks to to Ross and Brian. Uh, we'll have a preview show out next Friday for obviously for the Old Firm game next Sunday. I don't have at hand who's on that next week, but we're on at the usual time on Friday, nine o'clock. In the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, until next time, guys. Bye for now. <laughs>